So last week we continued our series called A Magical Christmas. And I did something a little bit different. And so I want to try it again today. So take out your phones. And I want you to interact with me on this message. So I'm going to put up my phone number, my cell phone number, for you to be able to punch in. 267-800-5656. And here are the two questions that I want you to give me an answer to. So do it in the same text, all right? So the first question is this. If you were going to throw a birthday party for yourself... And you can have it any place in the world. Where would it be? And here's the second question. If you can invite anybody in history and you knew they would be there, whom would you invite? So where would you throw the party and whom would you invite? Go ahead right now. Text it in. Paris. Home, Disney World, Ireland. Jesus was invited to a couple of these, all right? Here we go, all right? Disney World, Disney World, Disney World, Disney World, all right? I get it. New York, somewhere in the mountains, the beach. My grandfather, Jesus. Uh, please don't call me, just text me, all right? Fiji. With Pastor Richard Gay. Whoa, way to go. Thank you. And I got your name, so I'll follow up with that, all right? I'd invite Moses, Disney World, Hawaii, Colorado, any place that doesn't snow. My mom and dad, I'd invite them. Central, I'd invite Martin Luther King, the beach. Jesus, I guess. All right, okay. Jamaica, Italy. All right, great, great response. Because we're to a point now where we're talking about throwing a birthday party in a magical Christmas. See, a magical Christmas, it's magical because when we think of magic, it causes us to stand in awe, to stand in amazement. But the Christmas story is not about magic, it's about miracles. And we see the miracles as we've looked at the past few weeks. Zacharias, who said he learned how to trust God. Mary, in her humble surrender and obedience. And today we're going to look at another member of the Christmas story. Now I wonder if any of you have ever experienced a miracle. If you've ever experienced a miracle. Albert Einstein said this. There are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is if everything is. See, you got a choice. If I were to ask you if you've ever experienced a miracle, some of you would say, well, it depends on how you define it. Some of you would say, no, but I beg to differ with you. See, by the end of this sermon, you will have inhaled and exhaled approximately 250 times because most of you don't even give breathing a second thought. I want to help you consider how that is truly a miracle. See, the journey of an oxygen atom begins as the air comes through your nose where it's filtered out the dust and debris 
and the average person moves about 440 cubic feet of air per day through their nose and the trachea into the lungs. The surface area of your lungs is 40 times greater than the surface area of your body, compressed within the tiny space between your ribs. Once the lungs, in the lungs, the oxygen atoms hitchhike with hemoglobin and travel throughout the human body via blood vessels. If those blood vessels were laid end to end, they would be approximately 100,000 miles long. That means your blood vessels in your body would wrap around the equator four times. At the end of its journey, the oxygen atom enters individual cells, bonds with the food we eat, and releases energy. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. And I've thought about that song that we sing, It's your breath in our lungs that we give out praise. It's a miracle you're awake. It's a miracle you got up today. It's a miracle what God does. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, The invariable mark of wisdom is to see the miraculous in the common. The Christmas account is filled with miracles. And I wonder if we looked at the Christmas account from the perspective of the angels, what would they tell us? Mark Batterson, in writing it, says, I imagine there was a strategy session in heaven. And God said, I need to announce the birth of my son. And the angels got together in a committee and they said, well, we'll make the announcement in the temple. We'll make the announcement to priests. We'll make the announcement in Jerusalem. We'll make the announcement at an annual feast where there's thousands and thousands of people. And God walks up to them. And says, no, not going to be in the temple. It's going to be a hillside. Not Jerusalem. It's going to be a flea-bitten town called Bethlehem. Not the priests. It's going to be shepherds. Shepherds are going to receive it. Patterson writes, the angels then probably crumpled their plans up and threw them in the recycling bin. Max Licato said it this way, had the angel gone to the theologians, they would have consulted their commentaries. Had he gone to the elite, they would have looked around to see if anybody was watching. If they'd gone to the successful, they would have first looked at their calendars. But he went to shepherds, shepherds who had no reputation, men who didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep. And messiahs aren't found wrapped in rags in a sleeping trough. So we're going to do something a little bit different. Because this is an account that you probably maybe read on Christmas morning with your family. So what we're going to do, I'm going to read it to you, but I'm going to read it to you from the message. But we got to set some atmosphere here. So Emily's going to come and she's just going to play some Christmas music. And I want you just to relax and imagine a large fireplace in the corner here. And you're sitting back in your favorite sweats with your cozy slippers on. And you're listening as I read this story. Listen as if you heard it for the first time. And there were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. 
and they set their night to watch over their sheep. And suddenly, God's angels stood among them, and the glory of God blazed all around them. And they were terrified. And the angels said, Don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has been born in David's town. A Savior who is Messiah and the Master. This is what you're to look for today. Look for a baby wrapped in some rags and lying in a manger. And at once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who pleads him. And as the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Hey, let's go to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see what God has revealed to us. They left running and they found Mary and Joseph and that baby lying in a manger and seeing was believing. They told everybody they met what the angels had said about this child and all who heard the sheep herders were impressed. That's the Christmas story. There you go. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> That's just your cue. I preach. Thank you. So we're going to look at this story from Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 20. And we're going to look at the character of the shepherds. Look at verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds. Let me tell you about shepherds. They were poor. They were despised. The temple priest considered them only one level above a Gentile heathen. They were totally considered unclean. Shepherds were typically tipsy because they were out in the field trying to stay warm. They were never considered as a worthy witness in a court trial. Notice what it says. It doesn't say the shepherds, just shepherds. Some shepherds. Nobody's special. And these were most likely temple shepherds, meaning this. They were raising sheep to be sacrificed. So here you have these shepherds, these country bumpkins, these people who really nobody wanted to be around. And what are they doing? Keeping watch over their flock by night. That little phrase is so important. Because what it reminds us is these people who were unknown, who were despised, were just being faithful. And I thought about King David before he was king. Where was he when Samuel looked to anoint him? He was out taking care of the sheep. And I thought about this principle. 
be faithful. Be faithful. See, we're in the midst of a time where we do a lot of outreach here at this church. We did the Christmas store last Sunday. And 75 families were ministered to because of your sacrifice, your giving, your faithfulness, your service. Last night, we had a Christmas outreach where just under 500 people were here. And most of those people that were here were from the community. And it, yeah, it was just such a wonderful thing. And this next Saturday, we're going to deliver gifts for Project Angel Tree. If you get them here, all right? Get them here, all right? But they're going to deliver Project Angel Tree gifts to gifts to children of inmates. And all yesterday as I was walking around and I watched everything that was going on, I had tears in my eyes because I had people coming up to me and say this over and over again. Pastor, I love being part of a church that cares about the community. I love being part of a church where it's not about us, but it's about them. And I thought about all the people who were being reached. And there were people here last night from the Christmas store who came because they were invited. And then I thought about the Christmas store and I thought about what God has done. We had a Christmas store last Sunday. Saturday, there was a Christmas store at Living Hope Church in Trenton. And the gifts that weren't given out at our store were given to that store. Princeton Alliance did a Christmas store yesterday as well. They ministered to 100 families. Living Hope ministered to 70 families. My sister did a Christmas store on Black Friday in upstate New York. And all that started seven years ago with the Christmas store here. See, my friends, I, I thought about what one person said. This has changed my life. See, we have a, a vision before us that we will be a diverse community following Christ anywhere, bringing hope to the hurting. And I thought about what Christ writes in the book of Revelation. It says, watch out. Because if you don't be who I want you to be and you're not faithful in doing what I want you to do, I'll remove your lampstand, which means he'll put you out of commission. He'll just allow it just as so many churches all over this community who open their doors, but God isn't there. And as a result, we have something to rejoice in. And I challenge you, be faithful, be faithful. It says they kept watch over their flock by night. Let me ask you this. What is your post? What is your post? Some of you are going to go be with some relatives, let's just call them, that are kind of hard to be with at Christmas time. And your post is to love them with gentleness and show them to Jesus. Be faithful. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. When it says the glory of the Lord, you can circle that in your Bible, as long as it's not our Bible. You can circle that in your Bible. And right next to it, Shekinah glory. That's the Shekinah glory that would fill the tabernacle, that would fill the temple. And look at me. They had not received a message from God for 400 years. There were 400 silent years from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. And now the glory of God is all around them. And the angel says, 
don't be afraid. It's the same message we've heard the past three weeks. To Zacharias, don't be afraid. To Mary, don't be afraid. To Joseph, don't be afraid. And now to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. You know what the good news is? God loves you. God loves you and he has taken your sin. He took it on Christ on the cross who died in your place so you could be set free because he came back to life three days later. God loves you. That's the good news. And he says of great joy, great joy, not just joy, great joy. See, that's a word called as God's people to manifest that great joy and it's to all people. Do not be afraid. Scientists tell us that fear is universal to all people. Some people fear flying. Some people fear deep water. Some people fear germs or crowds or heights. Some people fear playing the Philadelphia Eagles, whatever. (laughs) There's fear. But I'm talking about deeper fear, debilitating fear, that grips your heart and causes you to feel paralyzed. Maybe you're a man who you fear deep down not being able to succeed in your job. You fear coming to the end of your life and wondering what you did. Or maybe you're a couple whose marriage has been on the rocks and there's a real fear inside of you it's going to fall apart. Maybe you're a parent who fears what your child's life will be looking like when they go off to college. Maybe you're a college student who fears those exams this week and wonders how you're ever going to keep all that stuff that's up here and get it out. Maybe you're a child and for years you feared not measuring up to the expectations of your parents. Maybe you're a grown-up child and you're still fearful about measuring up to the expectation of your parents. Maybe you're a single person and you're afraid God is never going to bring you a mate. Those are real fears. And so the angel says to the shepherd, don't be afraid. I bring you good news, great joy, which is for all people. Then look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel. Watch this. It started off with one who tells the shepherd. And now God says, let's really make this a party. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. And saying, read it with me, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What a beautiful picture. You see, be faithful. And fear can hold you back from enjoying the life God's called you to. So the second point I want to give you is this. Stay awake. Be alert. Be open to the opportunities that God puts before you. Be faithful. Stay awake. I love the fact that we're able to pray for Zach McNair today. 
to pray for him as a follower of Christ, that he can have his eyes open to have God's sightings as he's walking, as he's serving, as he's protecting us. Stay awake. Be alert. What kind of opportunities does God have for you? Maybe it's being kind to that store clerk today. Maybe it's being kind to someone who's not kind to you. Maybe it's being loving or sacrificial, but stay awake. Then read on, verse 15. When the angels went away, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. Look what they're saying. Let's go. Because God showed up here. Not just some angels. God showed up. Do you realize the number of times God shows up in your life all week long? Stay awake so you can give him praise. Give him honor. Praise him for what he does. Stay awake. In verse 16, and they went with haste. If I'm Mary, Joseph, the baby, lying in the manger. Be faithful. Stay awake. But here's the third thing. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. We talk about keeping Jesus in Christmas. I get that. But I want us to keep Jesus in our life 365 days a year. I want Jesus to be at the center of all of our life. I'm going to ask you to pray for us as staff as we get ready for Christmas Eve services that we won't miss Jesus. I'm going to ask you to pray for us as a church that as we do the things we do, we don't miss Jesus. That's why I love that song that the kids sang. Happy birthday, Jesus. Because it's remembering. He's at the center of it all. Would you pray for yourself that this year you don't miss Jesus? You don't miss him in your daily life? Colossians chapter 1 verse 18, it's not on the screen. It says, Paul says, I want Christ to have preeminence in your life. That doesn't mean first place. That's a different Greek word. The word that is used here means be at the center. Be at the center of everything. Be at the center to affect my entertainment. Be at the center to affect my relationships. Be at the center to affect my service. May Christ have preeminence in everything. Where do you tend to miss Jesus? I'll tell you where I do. Where I get tempted to miss him is when I go through a hardship. When I go through a trial. Where I start to say, God, where are you? And I forget he's there. Holding your hand, walking with you. Verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And everybody who heard it, verse 18, wondered at what the shepherds said. And Mary pondered all these things and treasured them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen as it had been told to them. Do you see what's going on? Share the joy. Share the joy. The shepherds are simple enough 
to see this baby, say, how can we hold this back? God didn't tell others. God didn't tell others. Be faithful. Stay awake. Don't miss Jesus. Share the joy. Shane Claiborne, who's a Christian author, Christian activist, has a thought-provoking quote. Look on the screen. He says, I've been convinced that Christianity spreads best not through force, but through fascination. I love Because what it's saying is, are you an agent of wonder, of awe, of fascination? So when people look at your life and they look when you go through a trial, they step back and say, "How, how can you have such peace? How can you have such strength? How can you have such trust? I'm blown away. I'm blown away by what I see. See, What Shane is saying is, instead of cramming Christ down people's throats, be so irresistibly appealing that when people look at your life, they say, tell me more. Tell me more. Because I want that that you have. I have a new favorite Christmas verse. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 8, says this. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Love him. Trust him, rejoice in him. Love him, trust him, rejoice in him. This letter that Peter wrote was written to believers under persecution. They were suffering. And what we find here is these believers, imagine the fascination it would create in people saw in you, not just peace, but peace that surpasses all understanding. Not just joy, but inexpressible joy. Not just love, but love that sacrifices for others. Love him. Trust him. You will rejoice in him. I want you to repeat that with me. I love him. I trust him. I I will rejoice in him. I I love him. I I trust him. I I will rejoice in him. See, the miracle of Christmas is the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the message to the shepherds is so clear for all of us to know. Be faithful. Stay awake. Don't miss Jesus. And share 
the joy. Would you pray with me, please? Could be that you're here today, and all you've ever thought about when it comes to relating to God is religion. You see, religion is man reaching up to God. Christianity is God reaching down to man. And I have some good news for you. You can put religion aside. And you can be wrapped up in a relationship with Christ. By just recognizing that you're a sinner and telling God that, and recognizing that you're going to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. That he gave his life for you. Came back to life for you. So you can be God's child. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. It's not a magical prayer. It's just a simple expression from the heart. For the scripture says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to give you that chance to pray that prayer right now. So what I'm going to do is I want all of us to pray after me out loud. To be an encouragement to others here who may want to pray that prayer, but they're not sure how. So repeat after me, Jesus, I love you. I believe you died for me. I believe you came back to life for me. I choose to trust you as my Savior and Lord. Take away my sins. Come into my life. Make me clean. Thank you, Jesus. My friends, right now, would you just praise God for the gift of salvation and for those today who prayed that prayer for the first time. Some stinky, poor, neglected sheep herders were the first to get invited to the birthday party on a hillside in Bethlehem, a little flea-bitten town. That gives me hope that he can use somebody like me and somebody like you. Be faithful. Stay awake. Don't miss Jesus. And share the joy. Amen. Let's stand and worship him.